Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with your hosts, Aaron Holtz and Kyle Mayorana. Aaron is a holistic nutritionist and yoga teacher on the seacoast of New Hampshire. Kyle is a registered dietitian in Asheville, North Carolina, and we are both studying functional nutrition. This means we work collaboratively with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, wellness, food and nutrition, discussing our clinical experience, life experience, and what we're currently studying. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. We're back. It's Erin and Kyle. Hey. How's it going in North Kakalaka? Oh, you know, it's like there are like cute little flurries today that like immediately melt the second they hit the ground, whereas you guys are on what, your 10th foot of snow in a month? Oh, my God, easily. There's been roughly 360 blizzards in the past two weeks. <laughs> my kid is never going to school again. I will never see clients again. No. Nope. I'm just going to I'm gonna stay in the confines of these four, four walls yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, New England. It's going really well. I swear March is the worst month because you're like spring, and then it just like just dumps snow in your head for the next 30 days. I have always said that, and there are like there are no school holidays, and I am not that means nothing to me, but it has really always set the tone for me. I don't get a day off that I can still get paid for. I'm not into this month. Well, it's my birthday month. I'm St. Patty's Day birthday, so. That's pretty huge. That's been the only saving grace. It's because St. Patty's Day is like a rage day. Yes, the only one. Oh, my my cats is that are cat? each other. Yep, yep. Um, hold please. Yep. Carry on. Carry on. Well, good thing I have an announcement to make. Um, so I know a lot of our listeners are local to the New Hampshire area, but a lot are not. And um, I've been teaching this gut health workshop, eating for a healthy gut, for a few months now, and it's pretty popular. And I have exciting news because now it's going to be available on my website for purchase. So even if you are not in the New Hampshire area and can't come see me speak, you can purchase that and do a little self-study. It's a two and a half hour workshop all about the gut. Um, The time that this airs, I'm not sure if it's going to be on my website, but it will definitely be up, I would say, within the next week or so. Kyle muted herself, so whatever is going on over there is aggressive. (laughs) It was mute worthy. Got intense. I don't have children, but I, I do have cats. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. Uh, um, all right. So we've got that going on. I also want to let folks know that I'm going to be in Medfield, Mass. It's at Hawthorne Farm Retreat Center. I went to a workshop here a couple of months ago, and it was like such a magical space that immediately I was like, I need to teach a workshop here. It's in this Moon Lodge, which is this uh, really cool round building surrounded by like forest and there's a lake on the property and that's um even if you don't live in the boston area i totally would say it's worth the travel i'm going to be teaching a three-hour workshop on deep detox so i'm going to go into like a lot of the nutrition behind detoxification what it actually means how you can support your body every day i'll talk about some testing um and also just kind of like on a deeper layer what's going on with detox. So that would be a fun way to um, to bring in spring. It's going to be on April I 21st. Go. I know. I wish you were around for that because I, oh, I literally just want you to reschedule for June for when I'm home. It's not too much to ask. It's, you know, totally It's fun. right in our old stomping grounds. And when I went there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so close to Framingham, which is where Kyle and I met at school. So if you're in the Framingham Framingham area, definitely check it out. And it's not that far of a drive from from Boston. But even if you're in New Hampshire, like you can totally do it. And I think it's kind of cool to when you're going kind of going through like a going to like a major event like this. Not to say that it's a major event, but you it gives you time. Like the long drive home kind of gives you time to integrate all the information that was talked about over the past three hours. So I think it's kind of worth the travel if I do say so myself. Anywhere in New England, I think this would be worth the drive. 
for sure. Yeah, like just drive six hours to come hear me talk. No big yeah, deal. Big it's going to be an experiential thing too. We're going to do some movement. It's going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited about it. Anyway, uh, let's get into the show because this is – so this is actually a conversation that what we're going to talk about today was a conversation that Kyle and I have had over the past few months. We we have an app called Voxer. So we Vox. Mm. We send – it's like walkie-talkies. We talk literally all day long it's bad it's really bad um but this is one of the conversations that we've been having on an ongoing basis and it's it's about stuff that I'm seeing in my practice and some of the stuff that Kyle's seeing at the hospital and we just thought it would be a good idea to take this to a more public platform because it's it's really what's going on in conventional medicine it's how people are being treated it's how people are feeling and I'm sure that some of our listeners are stuck in the position that we're, we're about to talk about. Um, so I just hope that this conversation, really the reason that we're doing that is 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 so it can be a little enlightening, empowering, and give people not only hope, but actual practical things that they can start doing. Um, I want to start by sharing some of my health background and my story. I mean, we did this a little bit on on episode one, but I didn't really talk about like the ins and the outs of what I experienced. And every single time that I do any type of speaking engagement, I always start by sharing my story or at least parts of my story. And there's two reasons for that. One, I think that it's important for people to understand who's talking to them and why they're saying the things that they're saying. But two, I think it's important to showcase to people that you can be in a hole and climb your way out. And when I tell my story, I see women nodding their heads. They're sometimes crying. And they always come up to me, at least one person every time I talk, but usually more, saying that, I went through this exact same thing, or my daughter did, or my niece did. And I just want to tell everybody that I have been in the trenches, and I understand what you're going through on such a deep somatic level. I completely understand, and I see you. And women are not getting that message. Um, a lot of the reason that I do the work that I do, for me, it's, it's personal because the majority of my life, I felt unwell. Like I had health problems growing up, digestive problems, anxiety in my teens, depression in my teens and my 20s. And every single time I'd go to the doctors, my mom brought me to the doctors a lot. And they would always say like, your blood work is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. So on on top of feeling physically unwell, I started to feel crazy. Like it's all in my head. Like why isn't anybody else feeling this way? What's going on with me? Maybe I'm a hypochondriac. Maybe I'm making this stuff up. And it really, really weighed on me. And when I, about a year postpartum, well, that's not even true. A, f- a few months after I had Hattie, I, my health, which is my body fell apart and I didn't know what was going on. And I went to my doctor and I, told her the situation and she's like, you know what? This is normal. You're just tired. You're stressed. Maybe you should let the baby cry it out. Maybe you should stop breastfeeding. You just need to get sleep. This is all really normal for a new mom. And so I was like, okay, I guess this is normal. But that went on for a year. Like I kept going back and saying like, this is the new problem or this is presenting itself and this is what's happening. And I kept getting the same message like, nope, your blood work is normal. There's really nothing that we can do for you. You know, maybe try some Tums or take a laxative or like every ailment I had, there was like a pill to take for it. And I mean, ultimately – One day I was changing my daughter's diaper and I looked down and my thumb was twice the size of my other thumb and it just like blown up. And I'm like, this is not normal. So I immediately dropped my kid off at my mom's house and I went to the doctor and I basically lost my mind there. I was like, I am not leaving here until I get some answers. So... I they ran a ton of blood work and sent me out to a rheumatologist and ran a ton more blood work and essentially I thought that's when I got the diagnosis of systemic sclerosis but I had to be such a bulldog to get that information and it took a year it took a full year of me being like something's not right something's not right before somebody actually paid attention to me and it was because I was like dropping f-bombs and crying and like snotting in the doctor's office that they actually paid attention to me because I'm like I'm literally not leaving until you you fix this situation um and then I remember so I mean in some ways it was really good to get the diagnosis because it was very validating like I'm like see I told you guys 
something's wrong with me because I started to feel crazy like when it came to my family and friends too like they say that autoimmune disease is the silent killer because you don't know that somebody's dealing with it like you can look at somebody and they look perfectly normal you have no idea what's going on behind the hood and if you don't have a diagnosis like the person that's that's suffering doesn't know either it's like really scary and weird and just like a total mind f um so anyway, I did get the diagnosis and so I could start it, started to do some things for myself um, once I had like some solid, okay, here's, you know, here's what the situation is. Um, but then I remember, and Kyle, I remember calling you after this and talking to you about it. I remember it. It was like a year later, maybe, I mean, maybe it was like six months ago. I don't even know. It was kind of recently, within the past year. And I was listening to a podcast and there was a doctor talking about thyroid health on the podcast and she mentioned how prevalent postpartum thyroid issues are like how common they are to the point where there's some practitioners that are saying that every single woman should be screened for thyroid issues once they have a baby and I was I had to pull the car over I was driving at the time because I was hysterically crying I was crying so hard I was like filled with rage and grief for myself. And I was just like, if somebody had taken the time to truly listen to me, maybe I could have walked away with a thyroid diagnosis because it turned out that something was wonky with my thyroid. And maybe that could have prevented it becoming like a full-blown autoimmune process. And, you know, if if somebody had just listened to me once in that, that year, could the trajectory of, you know, my my health have been changed? And so I, there was a real grieving process with that where I had to re- realize that like, wow, like I slipped through the cracks like in a major way. Um, and so that, that, that sadness is for me, you know, but it's also for a lot of my clients too. I, I'll have women that, that come to me who very clearly present with hypothyroid issues, but their doctors keep telling them that they're normal, the blood work is normal. And then when I send clients to get a full thyroid panel done, because typically when you get your thyroid checked at a doctor's office, they check for one marker, TSH. And that really doesn't tell the the whole story because you can have a quote unquote normal TSH, but you can still have an underactive or even overactive thyroid. Um, and when I when I send clients to get the full thyroid panel done, the majority of the time there's kickback from the doctors. Like they'll say, well, why do you need this test? Or where did you even get these values? Where did you get these markers to ask for? And I've even had one doctor tell someone, well, I could run these tests, but I don't know what to do with the results, so I'm not going to. And it this this really backs women. I'm using thyroid as an example because I was talking about it, but this kickback really backs women into a corner and makes them feel like, oh, well, maybe I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be asking for these tests and, and maybe I shouldn't be an advocate for my own health. And honestly, I'm so sick of that. I call BS on that. For every person that's listening right now, I want to tell you that you are worthy of getting answers and you are worthy of feeling good. And some of the work that I do as a nutritionist is is to be an advocate for my clients and tell them to keep fighting. In the past month alone, I've had two women come to me who have been sick for a long time. I'm talking years, like sick for years. And their doctor doctors kept telling them that everything's normal everything's normal you're fine we don't know what the ant what why you're feeling this way everything's normal and then i had them get full thyroid panels done and it turns out that both of them both of them have hashimotos which is an autoimmune disease both of them like this is crazy um if you're struggling with uh, with uh hypothyroid symptoms or you have a diagnosed thyroid disorder, I highly recommend reading uh, Dr. Aviva Ram's blog post, Why Hypothyroidism is a Feminine Issue. It is a must read. I mean, really just if you're a woman, it's a must read. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's pretty it's pretty wild. Um, I'll share a quote from it. It's She says that research indicates that Physicians are more likely to interpret men's symptoms as biological and women's symptoms as psychosocial. That is, that women's symptoms are a result of a mental rather than physical illness. Ugh. Brutal. Brutal. And it's true. And as women, 
being tossed around the healthcare system, we know that it's true. And we're, I mean, I think men too a little bit, but definitely women are being overlooked. We're just kind of being tossed aside. We're not being listened to. We're being made to feel like we're hypochondriacs or we're hysterical or we're just dropped into this bucket with a mystery illness that nobody can explain, right? We're told that we have fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome simply because there's no other explanation. They're like, we don't know what to do with you. So you're either going to get, you're fine, or you're going to get like a mystery illness diagnosis. And we're just made to feel crazy and irrational and over-emotional. So we feel embarrassed to bring things up to our doctors. I suspected SIBO for six months. So SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's an inf- uh, it's an overgrowth of bacteria in the wrong part of your intestines, essentially. And I thought I thought I had it for six solid months, um, but I was so anxious that my doctor would make fun of me for spending too much time on Google or something because I didn't really know a lot about it. It's not like, you know, I I know a lot about it now, but I didn't at the time. So it was just something I suspected. Um, But because I was so embarrassed to bring it up to her, I just kind of suffered in silence. And by the time that I, I did bring it up, I was already on to another doctor who I trusted more. So I that that trust piece was huge for me where I'm like, I felt comfortable like opening up the dialogue and saying like, well, what do you think about this? Like, I feel like I have a lot of the symptoms. And he was great because he was like, yeah, yeah, let's get you tested for that. That sounds like what's going on. And it turns out that there's a very clear link between SIBO and systemic sclerosis, the autoimmune disease that I have. And I I just wonder why that that wasn't brought up to me earlier, despite the extreme digestive complaints that I have. You know what I mean? Like why – Why was I the one like leading that charge? Um, And I'll also say that I was sent to the, uh, air quotes here, best GI doctor around. And when I got the positive SIBO test back, I brought up the low FODMAP diet and she literally laughed at me. She was like, where did you hear about that? Like it was, it was so embarrassing. It, It was, it was like, she was like, because I was the patient presenting the information. I was it wasn't to be trusted, right? Like, oh, cute, you Googled around, but yeah, there we're that's not what we do here, type of thing. Um, and keep in mind that this was a few years ago when the low FODMAP diet wasn't accepted by the medical community. It's very accepted and promoted by the medical community now. It's it, it's kind of funny because now it's like the cure all for everything <laughs> because modern medicine has adopted it. So everyone is being told by their doctors to go on this low FODMAP <laughs> diet. They're like, we don't know what you have. Try low FODMAPs. Um, but the point is, I was made to feel like because it was a solution I presented and not a solution she presented, it wasn't the right solution. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Um, I w- I'm reading this book, When the Body Says No, uh, by a medical doctor. He wrote it. And this quote really kind of spoke to me. Um, One of the weaknesses of the Western medical approach is that we have made the physician the only authority, with the patient too often a mere recipient of the treatment or the cure. People are deprived of the opportunity to become truly responsible. It's like, do as the doctor says, um, and that's kind of it. That's the long and the short of it. And I think, Kyle, what we're trying to explain here with this whole show is that yeah, doctors might be the expert on medicine, but ultimately you are the expert on your body. And if you're feeling unheard, disrespected, or you're not getting the answers that you need, you want to find someone who is willing to acknowledge this fact. Yeah. I can say so much about this from my own experiences, trying to get some answers, and especially from working in conventional healthcare. And I will start with the same disclaimer I always do. Conventional healthcare absolutely has its place. If you break your leg or you have an acute illness, going to the hospital is and will continue to be the smart thing to do. But unfortunately, when someone goes to the hospital for a flare of a chronic disease, the focus is on getting them out of the acute situation and whatever the exacerbation is, and then getting them discharged as fast as possible. And patients notice when they're being rushed out of the hospital or out of the doctor's office. Yep. A lot of times, the hospital just isn't the right environment to get some of those answers. It's the place to get things fixed, symptoms managed, and you back home. 
but not necessarily for digging up the root causes or diving into someone's diet and lifestyle history. So for a lot of the obvious reasons, conventional healthcare absolutely has its place in the mix. But if you're looking for someone to sit there and hear your whole story, that's probably not going to happen the way you want it to in a hospital. The unfortunate thing is that a lot of t- a lot of the time now, that is not happening in your doctor's office either. So chronic and autoimmune diseases, they're so common now that I feel like there's a real lack of acknowledgement on the provider side for how big of a deal it is to first, as a person without any medical or nutrition background, to understand their diagnosis, but then to learn the ways they can manage it aside from just remembering when to take your prescription. A lot of the times, this is due to the patient load this current healthcare system expect, expects the doctors to carry every day. So they only have minutes with someone anyways, which will never be enough time for someone to tell their story. Um, when we see patients get admitted multiple times a year or with really uncontrolled chronic diseases, they get called frequent flyers or non-compliant. Oh, that's kind of mean. Yeah, um, I frequently see people with diabetes who have the word non-compliant in their medical record. And when I ask them if they've ever received diet education since their diagnosis, a huge number of them never have. Um, I know you know this story. Not too long ago, I had a patient who came in with uncontrolled diabetes and a super high A1C, which is a test that shows your average blood sugars over three months. So they had non-compliant written in his past medical history with the diabetes and also written in his notes for this admission to the hospital. So this word was just following him around in his medical record. He told me he was diagnosed with diabetes six years ago. And when I asked him if he had ever received nutrition education since his diagnosis, he said no. So this person who has never received any real education on diet, let alone lifestyle, since his diagnosis is now labeled non-compliant. And people treat him that way. So, you know, these labels of frequent flyer or non-compliant, they're just that. They're just labels. But it's surprising once you start probing for more information how inaccurate some of them really are. As a dietitian working in a hospital, in, in order to get your work done day in and day out, you don't get to spend a lot of time sitting with someone, developing a rapport and building a collaborative relationship or figuring out if they're motivated to change or how they're going to implement your recommendations or what their lifestyle is. Most days we have time to hit the high notes and that's just about it which is why I personally felt so called to go back to school again to start to see clients on my own so that I can really get to know that person, not just their medical record. But I can say early in my career, I will admit it was easy to write some people off based on the language and the words in their medical record. But over the years, I've realized how ill-equipped a lot of these people are to manage their health problems because no one ever talked to them about the importance of diet and lifestyle. So patients assume it's not important or won't make enough of a difference because if it did, they would have gotten a lot more advice and support around it from the get-go. It's not one person's fault. There is no right or wrong way. And there isn't just one person who can be all of the things for you. It does take a village. And there is a place for everyone on this spectrum from health coach to doctor. I'm absolutely not doctor bashing. I work with them every day and they do care and try to do the right thing within the current healthcare system. It's just that the current healthcare system is what's broken. Yeah. And that's really the the point we're trying to drive home. We are absolutely not doctor bashing like you said um (laughs) two things it takes a village uh hillary Mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. go for it hillary Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is and this has nothing to do with this Uh, i was going to tell you off air but i'm like i'm gonna forget when you said the word rapport i do this is just like a classic kyle and aaron mix-up crazy zany mix-up do you remember when we were in lab and we got into like sort of fisticuffs with the the sub I have no. There was A and P. 
There was no. no, it was an our A and P lab in the sub. He was subbing for the the semester, and we did not get along. We did yeah, not. Get I've, along. I've, I've, this is coming back to me. And we ended up. We've never talked about this. We ended up in like the like we had to go to like the overheads because we got kicked out of the lab. He kicked. He threw us out. Oh, I remember. And then we had to go. And so I was trying to explain to him that like, listen, we're good students. I'm a good student, and I have a good rapport with all of my teachers but instead of saying rapport I said repertoire <laughs> and you like gave me the side eye where you're like that's not the right word you're not you're not making a good case for yourself <laughs> lock it up closed. don't case use big closed. words don't yeah. use big words we'll, we'll see you in class tomorrow sorry about today <laughs> <laughs> okay but anyway um back to the back to the show so we're not doctor bashing we, we i just keep having these conversations with people over and over again and people are having mm-hmm. these poor experiences with their healthcare providers and they're starting to feel crazy like something's wrong with them so i really want to showcase that a lot of people are having these experiences it's not you you're not alone there's not something wrong with you to Kyle's point there's something wrong with the system right and it's so unbelievably frustrating that people aren't given the option of changing diet and lifestyle like with diabetes that's like the first place you start it's insane it's not even i mean we try but even as dietitians i mean like they'll put in a consult for us but it's it's just you're so limited with what you can do in that in that setting in that yeah in that short short yep. period of time too um Recently, a patient of mine had she had SIBO. So I I worked with her a few years back. She had SIBO, and she treated it. Her symptoms resolved. She felt really great. And then a few years later, some of her GI symptoms returned. So she went. She like was. She's like, I need to go to the best of the best. And she spent a lot of money to go to this prestigious hospital in Boston. Went to like the best GI doc around, and he told her that SIBO is not real. And that food and lifestyle won't impact your your digestive sim- systems. And he offered to put her on meds. Like that, she was like, "That's what I got. This is it." She was flabbergasted, and she's like, "I'm not going to go on medication. Like this isn't that's not the solution here." And I I know as a practitioner, I know what it's like to say something and then have your client or your patient hear something entirely different. So I don't I I don't want to I want to give respect for for the clinicians and, and give them the benefit of the doubt for sure. But ultimately, like I said, we're kind of hearing these stories over and over again. And we're just two practitioners, Kyle and I. So so this is happening. It's just a microcosm of what's going on out there. And we've both experienced it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So something about the information that's being given and the way that it's being delivered is sending the message that this isn't real, like this, what you're experiencing isn't real, or if it's real, there's not a whole lot that can be done about it without medica- without medication. Um, and honestly, you know, we talk a lot about my nutrition program, Fueled and Fit, and I call what I do in that program nutrition and lifestyle medicine. And I'm sure that I'm, you know, viewed as a heretic for saying that, you know, and referring to it that I didn't come up with that that um, the lifestyle medicine. I'm just using it. Um, but what we see in study after study after study after study after study and in real life is that changing our lifestyles has profound effects on our health and disease states. And I'm certainly speaking from experience with my own health. So we need to get to a point where we understand this. And what we're trying to tell people to do is to stand up for yourself, find your voice, become your own advocate. And if someone isn't listening to you, find someone who is, um, which sort of begs the question, well, how do we do that? So we're going to talk a little bit about how to find a practitioner. If you're seeking one out, whether it's a nutritionist, a naturopath, a new primary care provider, a physical therapist, whatever, what are things to look for when you're looking for a new practitioner? When we were talking about this episode, we were going back. Oh, we were voxing so hard. We were, <laughs> we were we were going back and forth about all the things we wanted to touch on in terms of finding the right practitioner. And we're going to get into all of that. But one of the things I said to Erin was that finding the right practitioner is kind of like going on Match.com. 
So you can see someone's profile and they look so great on paper, everything you're looking for, but then you go on the date and it's kind of awful. They don't ask you anything about yourself. They don't really listen to you. You don't feel like you even really want to open up to them. And you just sit there counting down the minutes until you can be back home in your PJs watching Netflix. Ultimately, the most important quality in finding the right practitioner is finding someone who you can be really open with without judgment or criticism. Finding someone who really wants to hear your story. So first off, if your practitioner doesn't normally discuss lifestyle or diet with you, then that might not be the right person to give you answers. Because not only does diet and lifestyle matter, but this really should be the place everyone starts when trying to get healthier or trying to get some answers and relief. This does not necessarily mean that the person asking you about your diet and lifestyle should be the one to address issues in those areas, just that it shows that they're looking at the whole picture. They're recognizing how important those aspects are and are able to either offer you guidance based on their own education and training or refer you to someone else for that piece so they know that you're getting a well-rounded approach. Um, The next thing is being able to check your ego and have some collaboration with other professionals. Um, This should be seen as a sign of strength and continued education, not lack of experience or capabilities. It's a way to get a new perspective, to see things from another angle, things that you might have missed or not connected the dots to. So does the practitioner make referrals to other practitioners like a physical therapist, a nutritionist, a therapist, herbalist, functional doctor, a health, health coach? Do they have options to help you build your team? Because when you have a team, you know, like I said before, there's not one person that can be all of the things to you. So you can have an excellent practitioner, but you might have a totally different conversation with a different practitioner that allows you to connect the dots in a way that the other one probably wouldn't have been able to get there. Um, Yeah, that's true. And I think to your point, it's such a healthy relationship. I have, you know, there's local practitioners, general practitioners that recommend people to me. And then I have my naturopath and my physical therapist that I recommend people to. It's just, it doesn't, you know, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't speak badly about you as a practitioner. It just, it just, I don't know. It's Yeah. Why would you tune out somebody else's knowledge when you can learn something from them instead? Right. Right. Yeah. So with that, continuing education is a huge one. If that is not something that they post on their website, are they willing to discuss some of the things that they've done over the past few years to stay up to date? Remember that it takes an average of 17 years to get clinical research into clinical practice. So continuing ed is vital for staying current. Um, and along with those, along those lines, transparency about their background and their training in general is also huge. You should not feel awkward about asking someone these questions if it's not clear on their website or their LinkedIn or whatever. If they sound condescending to you or you just don't have a good vibe from the conversation trying to get these answers, then look elsewhere. You wouldn't hire an employee without interviewing them and seeing a resume first, so you shouldn't feel weird about wanting to be picky about the person you're going to share your entire health history with, and then you're paying them for it. For sure. And I think I like the, the way you spun it because it's kind of like they're working for you. You're not, you know, you're not working for them. So right. It's, you know, it's, I think transparency is huge. This is, is a really big one for me. Like, I want to know your credentials. I want to know where you studied. I want to know your experience, the whole nine yards. I recently saw a, um, a wellness coach blog and she had a, it was like, I'm using air quotes here, a nutrition certification. That's what she called it. But it didn't name the program or link to any specific training. And I just feel like be cautious of those who are not willing to be transparent, like with your food and with your practitioners. Like transparency is key. Um, because we live in a time where anyone can be a wellness expert, right? Anyone can start a blog and start taking clients and start charging for advice. But how do you know if they're actually qualified to do what they're doing? 
Exactly. And not everybody needs to take it to the top, but like own where you're at and just don't try to like hide it behind like any smoke and mirrors. Um, and also, uh, is the person willing to listen to your concerns and work in collaboration with you rather than prescribe to you or tell you what you need to do? You want someone that's going to do the digging for you, but also with you. Someone who can admit when they don't know something and say they're going to look into it and get back to you. Like Erin, you know, the doctor that laughed about the FODMAPs, that doctor had an opportunity to say, I'm not sure, let me look at the research and get back to you instead of just shutting you down. So... Um, reading reviews, you know, this is kind of like a mixed bag, but so it's, it's something you kind of like, you have to, you have to take with a grain of salt, but it, yeah. Cause there's a lot of grumpy Gus's out there that like this, to just leave negative yeah, and, reviews. And a lot of times it's, it's, yeah, it can be the people that I have something to say about this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write my Senator. Um, but sometimes it can be helpful to look just to see if there aren't any like, reoccurring themes here before you're potentially spending hundreds of dollars on somebody that's so. a good point um and then always feel comfortable asking about costs always 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 for initials for follow-ups do they offer phone consultations is this something that is going to work within your budget um and if not you know what what else can you do to kind of get you to a place where you do everything you can and then if you're at an impasse then okay i need to spend some more money to get some answers but you know yeah and you know we've you and i have talked a bunch about this about our websites and putting cost out there i like to be really transparent about what mm -hmm. my services cost and i think there's you know there's different business strategies around that and there's you know, from a business perspective, there's reasons to not put your cost out there and all that. But I just feel like for myself, I just want people to know what to expect, you know, because I, I always offer a free initial consult and I don't want to spend the whole time talking about about cost. You know what I mean? Like, I just right. want it to be be really straightforward there. Um, but if somebody doesn't have it, to your point, if somebody doesn't have it on their website, they should be really comfortable talking about the cost and telling you what exactly you can in expect in terms of an investment. Um, and I'm also going to add to your list, are, 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 is your practitioner looking at you when they're talking to you or are they looking at a screen? Because that matters. There's this whole idea in the functional medicine world and naturopath world that you want to treat the person sitting in front of you, not just the blood work. You know, the labs and the blood work can reveal a lot, but you also need to listen to what the person is saying and look at them. Like I have clients that walk in and they look sunken, you know, they just look sick and you know something's not right something's not right. So you have to listen. You have to look at them. You have to pay attention. And you need to, you know, look at the blood work too. But all this stuff that, that we're talking about takes time, right? And the average PCP, the visits last anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes. And there's no way that you can deliver the high quality care that we're talking about here in that short amount of time. There's just no way. So again, it's not the practitioners we're necessarily knocking here. It's the system at large. Um, the average patient gets to speak to their doctor for 12 seconds before being interrupted <laughs> with advice. And I mean, Kyle, you said that you're meeting with, with people for how long in the hospital? When you get yeah. to chat with them? Not not very long. Yeah. It's not. just, you know, as a frame of reference, I typically meet with clients and when Kyle soon will start taking on uh, private clients herself, it's going to be the same for you. You know, it's at somewhere between 60 to 90 minutes for the first visit. And that whole time is spent listening to the client and, and asking questions. Such an important, important piece is just like finding the right person who is going to listen to you, but also are the appointments long enough where it's even the enough time for you to tell your story because 10 to 12 minutes is not going to cut it. In the hospital, we spend on average five to 15 minutes with patients. It can definitely be double this, but it all depends on how busy we are and what the patient has going on. So you can only imagine how much or how little we're able to accomplish in that time. It's just not enough time to provide education, or I think more more importantly, 
to try to get to the bottom of why they're not making the changes, um, mm-hmm. especially if they know, like if they've been schooled on this stuff before, like, well, why why aren't they making the changes? Why are they being labeled as non-compliant? What's going on emotionally with them? What are their obstacles? What's going to motivate them to change, right? As a functional nutritionist, I'm not in the advice-giving business necessarily. I'm in the rooting around and listening business. I want to hear your story. I want to unearth what exactly is going on. But that t- that takes time, you know? Um, and honestly, it can take money. I'll fully admit that when I first got my diagnosis, we were, we were I wasn't working at the time. Um, I was teaching some yoga and I was doing a little bit of part-time nutrition work, but it was, you know, Hattie was little. Um, and we were living paycheck to paycheck when I, when I first got my diagnosis. But I eventually got to a point where I wanted to do whatever it took. And that's exactly what I did. I, I had to. I had no other choice. I couldn't continue to live like that anymore. So I sought out people that listened to me and I started to collect data. So through functional lab testing, supportive foods, supplementation, all of those were out-of-pocket expenses for me. But I eventually began to dig myself out of a hole. And honestly, if I had to do it all over again, to to spend that money all over again, I would. Um, I absolutely would. And I only point this out because so many of us are accustomed to the insurance model. We spend so much on health insurance that we want to use it, right? And, And I absolutely say use it when you can, but also understand that you might need to go outside of the insurance matrix to get the care that you actually need. Because a lot of a lot of practitioners now are moving outside of of the insurance model. And I love that because a lot of them are doing that so that they can spend longer visits, like Mm -hmm. more face to face time. And I think that's great. I have pretty good insurance coverage, even though my deductible is still two grand. And I went to multiple doctors through my insurance to try to get some answers, and I got nowhere. Same. Nowhere. So in order for me to get the face-to-face time I needed so that I could be heard and have someone that was going to dig and do the functional testing and not just focus on more diagnoses and prescriptions, I went outside of my insurance coverage. I have spent thousands over the course of two years on visits, testing, supplements, and I am so thankful that I did because I might not be 100%, but I am a far cry from where I was. And I will say I just keep upping my flexible spending account every year. So I use that for my doctor visits and any tests I need. So at least it's pre-taxed dollars. That's actually really good advice. That's we did that for the first year. um, And it was it was awesome. So if you have access to one of those, definitely do it. It's Um, like a yearly savings plan for this kind of stuff. But it's a way that you can, you know, just try to factor it in. Yeah, and I will I'll I'll admit too that I've spent thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on my health, but I also am like living a life now versus like living in a dark hole. So, I mean, mm-hmm. again, like I said, I would I would respend all that money happily. Um we just don't need a vacation home. We're just going to manage Aaron's health. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No lake house for us. Just Aaron's happy though. Um, all right, so if you are looking to get healthier, whether you have a chronic illness or you just want to eat well, where do you start? Um, I recently asked, was asked that what the difference is between a functional nutritionist, a registered dietitian, a naturopath. Um, I'm going to suggest if you do have questions about what, what all this functional business is, um, go back to episode one, because we talk a lot about what functional nutrition is, what functional medicine is, and kind of the difference between a naturopath doctor and, and, and what we do, um, but I want, I, I remember that I started off wanting to be an RD, wanting to be a registered dietitian. That's what I went to school for. It's where Kyle and I met. It's what I got my degree in. But I ultimately realized that the healthcare industry is really more disease care. Um, and I prefer to be at the forefront of that, helping people to prevent illness rather than managing their disease once they're sick, as Kyle kind of talked about working in the hospital. And I am certainly not saying that RDs can't do this. I just personally knew it wasn't the right path for me. So I studied, I went, uh, studied at the integrative, no, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a holistic health coach. So I'll kind of explain the difference between health coach and nutritionist as I see it, since I have the backgrounds of both. Uh, Legally speaking, it differs from state to state on who can dole out nutrition advice. In the state of New Hampshire, health coaches 
can do that. Um, so it's legal for health coaches to give nutrition advice. It's not very policed in our state, um, which is good in some ways and then not so good in other ways. Um, I don't think you need to be an RD to give nutrition advice because quite frankly, there's RDs out there giving pretty crap advice if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we're in a situation where anyone can call themselves a coach and that's kind of scary because you don't really know what you're going to get. Um I sort of see health coaches, and again, remember that I am a health coach, um, as more of a cheerleader. Um, health coaches can help you with the basic stuff, like eat more fruits and veggies, learn how to read labels, learn some recipes, but they're probably not going to be your best option for specific personalized protocols. Um, you know, health coaches can't run labs. They're not trained to read labs. But sort of for overall how to work more whole foods into your diet, it could be a less expensive first step. And I want to be really clear here. I'm talking about certified health coaches, not someone that calls themselves a coach that's selling a product. They're there's two completely different things. You want to make sure that somebody actually went through a program, um, right? Does that does that make sense? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not certainly not knocking health coaches at all. I, I, I've worked with them in, um, in my own past. When I was pregnant, I worked with a distance coach who specialized in emotional eating because I wanted to make sure that my eating disorder stuff didn't crop back up with my changing body through pregnancy. And I also won, I know, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I won a free session with uh, Annie Wagoner, who is a local health coach. Um, And I was pregnant at the time. And, you know, she, it was, she held space for me. It wasn't like she was giving me specific advice, but she, just created 60 minutes that were about me. And I think we spend so much of our lives giving out our energy to everyone else that when you're working with a practitioner, whether it's a health coach or a naturopath or a nutritionist or a dietitian, all the focus should really be on you. That's what you're paying for. Um, and Kyle, you had said something, I think you said this, that I really liked, You the, the ability to motivate change without fear or shame. Um, because we get a lot of fear and, you know, it's very, our, our healthcare industry is very fear-based. Um, I was told when I got diagnosed, like, here's the pill that you will take for the rest of your life. And if you don't take it, you could die. You know, there's a lot of fear. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, there's also a lot of shaming around food, like non-compliant, you know, you're not, you're not doing the right thing. And if you're, if you should just eat everything in moderation, and if you're not able to moderate your food, then it's your fault, right? We get it's a lot of shaming, um, but being able to motivate change without using fear tactics or shaming people is really a, is it's a skill that needs to be honed. I think about it when I put my health my health coach hat on. It's really about going deeper than food. It's almost like I'm listening for the words that people are not saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, And now that we're finishing up this accredited program for integrative and functional medicine, what Kyle and I do as functional nutritionists, it is to provide that personalized protocol. And it's keeping in mind all the nutritional biochemistry, like what, what do these foods actually do within the body? How will that affect you specifically? We can evaluate labs. We can order specific functional tests, like a stool test, a GI map, or an oat test, um, I'm going to refer back to that book, um, When the Body Says No, because there's another quote that I really liked, like really liked a lot. Like this is going to make its way to my website probably. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh, tell me. Stay tuned. Uh, Before the advent of modern medical technology and scientific pharmacology, physicians traditionally had to inspire in each patient a confidence in his inner ability to heal. That's the patient's inner ability to heal. To be effective, a doctor had to listen to the patient to develop a relationship with him, and he had to also trust his own intuitions. Those are the qualities doctors seem to have lost as we come to rely almost exclusively on objective measures. And when he's talking about objective measures, he's talking about things like lab work and you know blood work and all that. And I kind of see the work that we do as offering the best of both worlds, we can bring in the modern science and objective measures with the functional testing, but we also rely on the listening ear. We rely on our intuition and we rely on the relationships that we create with our clients. So, um, and I'm not saying that we're doctors, FYI. Um, 
at all. Like we, we're not even pretending to play them on TV. I'm not even a medicine woman. No, I, nope, nothing. Just, just dietitian. <laughs> I want to be a medicine woman. <laughs> I want so bad. I'm gonna do some witchy. I'm gonna start doing some witchy things. I'm gonna be baby. a medicine woman and develop the best repertoire with all my patients. <laughs> Put that on your website and smoke it. <laughs> How embarrassing! Oh, um, so we might not have all the answers for you, but we can certainly help you get there. We can provide information and a plan for you and be part of an overall health team. I kind of see our work as being a bridge to get you where you need to go. Um, and I know that cost can be an issue to kind of circle back around to that. So what I like to do in my practice is to provide affordable, affordable options too. Like this podcast we do every other week and we're you know trying to provide as much free content as we can and by the way you guys I've been getting some insane feedback from people that are like completely overhauling their diets just from listening to this podcast and it like gives me goose pimples so so great if you have you know keep keep that feedback coming because it makes us feel really good yes please <laughs> especially during the past few weeks when we haven't felt so good about ourselves yeah uh anyway so this podcast you know online classes and programs i i like to teach a lot of local workshops um so you can empower yourself to begin to figure some of this out through self-study and then you can come find me when you're ready to really dive into it, you know? It doesn't have to be, you know, you can start slow and kind of work your way up. And ultimately, you need to know what you're looking for in order to find the right person for you. So get really clear on what you want and what you need. Like Kyle said, you can interview people. Your healing is about you and you want someone that's going to respect that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Really, I think the big takeaway from this episode is that there is a place for everyone and it is possible to build your own healthcare team because no one is going to know what works best for you more than you. There are definitely ways that you can save money before escalating things to a more experienced practitioner if you haven't already started there. We've said this before, but go for the low-hanging fruit first, the diet and lifestyle. You don't have to spend tons of money on with a high-level practitioner to do that, especially since the good ones are going to want to start there anyways. Um, maybe it's working with a health coach to motivate you and teach you the basics. Maybe you want to work with a functional nutritionist, someone who can dive deeper with everything and start to connect the dots, figure out some root causes how you can use food to support your specific needs better and dive into the lifestyle piece a bit more. Or maybe you take things as far as you can with the nutritionist and then they refer you to a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor to take the next steps. There are layers to this process. And what we're saying is that each one will have a different scope of practice, different education, training, work experience, and ultimately some are going to be a better fit for you than others. Within our current healthcare system, it costs an average of $14,000 a year to care for a patient with type 2 diabetes. Most of this cost is on symptom management, not diet and lifestyle change. Imagine how much less per year it would cost if someone was diagnosed with a chronic disease and whether they start on medica medication or not, they immediately start seeing a health coach, a nutritionist, and a doctor, and they're all working together to listen to that patient's story and come up with an individualized plan just for them. So change is coming. Change is coming. Um, all right, guys. Well, I hope that provided some insight for you and helped help some of you guys. And as always, if you've got questions, send them our way. Our, the, the next episode we're going to do is going to be all listener questions. So if you've got one, send her on in. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question for Aaron and Kyle to tackle, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for us in iTunes. Take care of you. What's that? Yeah. 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 Um, okay, until until next time.